Well, all things are legal now in the Christmas world. If you have not brought out your Christmas decorations, then you are probably now in the minority. Uh, I, I, I'm baffled every year when the Halloween costumes come off the shelves at Walmart how immediately right behind that Christmas trees and reds and, and all of the, the scents and the sights of Christmas all of a sudden appear on the shelves. It's amazing to me how we go from, th- uh, from a Halloween, October 31st, already to December 25th thinking. It, I mean, again, that's the American way. I have always kind of pushed back on the whole Christmas decorations, though I am a very much in love with Christmas time of year, season smells, all all the elements of, of the Christmas season. There's still something about putting Christmas trees up around October or anything like that. I'm anti. Even maybe even before Thanksgiving. We have put it up before Thanksgiving, but by and large, the unwritten rule in our home is it's Thanksgiving time thereafter. All things, everything's on sale. So yeah, I want to have a show of hands today. If you had your Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving, raise your hand. Anybody in the room? A few of y'all, all right, very festive people that we have in our, in our midst today, all right? But, you know, after Thanksgiving, all gloves off, everybody's into the season, lights, trees, ornaments, gifts. Last night was our Christmas tradition of decorating the tree. One of the things we've done throughout the kids' lives is every year we'll get a new ornament for the tree from a vacation or something special, significant in their life that'll kind of mark that year. And so they enjoy getting those ornaments back out and reliving those memories. And it's just a, it's, it's a great time together as a family. And there's so many things that mark what Christmas, the symbols of Christmas. Again, it's almost a battle for what is. Is it going to be the candy cane? Is it going to be uh, the, the tree? Is it going to be the manger scene? Is it going to be the angels? What is it will be? It really comes down to what decorates the top of the tree, the apex of the tree. It really kind of comes down to either a star or an angel. A star representing the star of Bethlehem. And a beautiful statement of, of Jesus is born here. Follow the star. The Magi from the east followed the star. The angels representing the voice, uh, 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 the declaration from all of heaven that now the Son of God has been born and He is living amongst you. Beautiful, beautiful declarations that we have that we put on our trees. However, in this day, there is a bit of a battle. I'm not saying if you put an angel or a star, there's no biblical mandate for either one of those on the top of your tree. That's not the message. The challenge for us today is the roles that are almost usurping the main character, the lead figure of the Christmas story, of the narrative. And you and I know, being in church, that Jesus is the star of the show, okay? He is the, he is the centerpiece of the table. He is what needs to be the focus of the season. We even have t-shirts that say Jesus is the reason for the season. We declare that. But there is a, there is still a battle, nonetheless. And I'm not even talking about old Saint Nick or anything like that. I'm talking about a good religious symbol that has been just ever tweaked or twisted just enough to give it still that error of spirituality, but yet holding somewhat of a, of a battle between who's going to be on top, and that being the angels. Angels today are quite popular. 
Angelology today is very much a studied element that is out there. In fact, you just do your own Google search this afternoon and just 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 Google angels and just Google Jesus Christ and see what you come up with. This is what I've come up with over a couple of years of, of kind of doing this, that really Jesus' is, is popularity is growing, doubled maybe from 2004 to, to 2010, from 14,100,000 sites uh, in 2004 to 33 million to today that somehow have a major play of Jesus Christ being in there. That's all I typed in, Jesus Christ, how many sites that are out there. And then I went in and I typed in angels. And you see that the angels are by far trumping Jesus Christ in the Google search. Now, this is scientific. If Google says it, it must be official. That there is a battle between the two. You might think Jesus doubling in popularity, maybe so. Uh, Angels are tripled. We have this major growth in emphasis and thinking and dreaming about and conversing with our guardian angel. There's a whole lot out there on today. You look at movies today. There's all kinds of movies across the screens, old and new. Constantine in 2005. Michael, John Travolta plays an angel. City of Angels. Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage, and a whole host of movies that that make it up. And even the classic of all classics, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you like that movie? Raise your hand. How many watch it at least once a year when it comes Christmas time? Raise your hand. All right. It's a great one. It's a classic. you you got to love it. But is it about Jesus or is it about angels? The story comes down to when an angel gets his wings. When the bell rings, the angel gets his wings. Again, the story, the, the interest, the, the interest level that we have with angels in, in, our, in our culture, in this Western world, is absolutely through the roof. Los Angeles Times, uh, Los Angeles Daily News put it like this. Uh, angel uh, artifacts have become big business. Heavenly prophets, they went on to say. The angel catalogs, angel seminars, angel pens, angel newsletters, angel sightings. It looks like the winged one has left the cosmic backlot, the forefront of popular consciousness. Angels are popular. You talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, you'll offend them. You talk to somebody about your guardian angel, you talk to somebody about your Savior Jesus Christ, you'll probably offend them. You talk to them about your guardian angel, they'll want to talk to you about theirs. What is it with the angel? What is it with angels today? And how, how, how close is it to, I think, representing the, the truth behind it all? There's a church that I read about in, in actually the Rogers Morning News a few years back. About a church that has actually gone through a change. They closed their doors up in Wisconsin. They closed their doors and actually has turned this, this church, once a church, once a place of worship, once a place where you went to worship Jesus Christ, has now been turned into an angel museum of 7,500 angels that you can go and you can look at and observe. Now, what is that? That is an ironic tell of our day. That Jesus is decreasing, not well, maybe not decreasing, but not growing it near the level of an angel's popularity in this world. What is it about the angel that the angel is now trumping Jesus whenever it comes down to it? And how is it that I can come to a full understanding about angels? You'll talk to, again, I challenge you this week as you talk to your friends, and as you go into this season, and you talk about angels, and angels come up in conversations well beyond this season, that you come back to something you can sink your teeth into. 
What is it out there that I can learn about angels, this spiritual being that's beyond the physical world? What is it out there that I can learn? A safe, true, time-tested resource of materials that's out there, a catalog, if you will, that can give me insight into angels. What book is out there? Because today, again, you go on Amazon, you'll find encyclopedias on angels. You'll find uh, books that'll tell you how to find healing from your angels or walking and talking with your personal angel. A lot that is out there today. How do we come back to it? I think we need to come back to the book that introduces us to angels. If we can understand the angel's perspective of Jesus then we might understand the proper perspective of an angel. Because if you look at the Bible and you look in the New Testament, and you find it in the very first pages of the New Testament, you find angels throughout. You find angels talking to Joseph, Zechariah, and Mary. You find a lot of angel interaction. So let's take our Bibles and let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We'll be there in a moment. Matthew chapter 1, first book of the New Testament. Go there, find it. But I think we need to also be quite aware That not every angel doctrine, not every angel teaching, not every angel uh, propagation out there is necessarily an angel from God. That if we use the Bible as our textbook, as our time-tested, proven book on angelology, if we were to go and source the book of all books as what is it about angels, we would find out that there are two different types of angels. We call them the dark angels, the demons that are out there. But are they really that dark? Are, are the demons of this world dark and sinister? Yeah, they're sinister, but, but they, they put on an air of, of darkness? Actually, no, they actually put on an air of light. This is what the Bible says about Satan. And he is the, the chief of all do, fallen angels. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And we have to understand that, that that's what Satan is going to come to us as, as an angel of light. He will look good. He will smell good. He will taste good. He will put on this air that being a moral, good, upstanding person is all you need to be. You just need to commune with your own personal guardian angel out there. You need to get in touch with your guardian angel out there. You need to understand that there's angel sightings all around. He will get us into the mentality that Jesus is no longer the centerpiece of our table. That now the angels slip into that role. And again, we will talk to people and we will interact with people that struggle with this very concept. So what do the angels believe about Jesus? We're going to do kind of a series here in the uh, Christmas season to just kind of understand and back away and to try to understand what do the players of the, of the narrative of the, of the New Testament and the story that unfolds in those very first days of Jesus, what do the, the wealthy and the wise, what do the angels, what do the people that were there on this, what are the spiritual people of that day, what do they think about Jesus? Because as we deal with spiritual and wealthy and wise people, as we deal with people who believe in angels, as we deal with all of this, then what do they believe? And what, should the Bible, what does the Bible say about that? So let's look at our, our passage of Scripture. Begin reading with me. Follow along. As I begin reading in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, you have a very familiar passage of Scripture. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when His mother Mary had been betrothed. Now that's, a not, that's not a new word because Jared just had us read that word. The betrothal is an important concept because it was, it was an engagement of sorts. 
but a much higher level of engagement than we might look at today where you might pop the question to somebody and you might be engaged to them for a couple of months, a couple of weeks, couple of, uh, who, who knows how long, maybe a year, I don't know, that you might be engaged to somebody and then you're all along thinking and preparing of that marriage. A betrothal period was a little bit more tight, a little stricter, if you will, in that day and age. You really had all of the commitment of a marriage without all of the benefits of being married. All right, and you get my drift on that one. You know, you, you, get, you get to have your commitment and loyalty to one person, and it doesn't waver from that one person, but you're not living together, eating together, sleeping together, or anything like that. This is a, still a, a waiting period, so to speak, that's going on in this time and age. So he, she was, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. There it is. They, came, they had not come together yet. She had found to be with a child of the Holy Spirit. Big deal. She's pregnant. They're betrothed or virtually married, but yet they're not sleeping together. What's going on here, Mary? You're, you're pregnant. You're expecting. Who is the baby come from? The baby comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, some false teachings believe, and we'll come to this in a moment, this was not some conceptual pro- process of an angel having a relationship or the Holy Spirit having a relationship with Mary. It's not that at all. We'll come to that in a moment. Verse 19, And her husband Joseph began a just, uh, be, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. Now notice the goodness out of his heart. He resolved to divorce her quietly, not to embarrass her or shame her. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. For for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and and you shall call his name Jesus, and and he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until he had she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to a time of a very familiar passage of Scripture and a very familiar time of the year, but one that we need to not allow to become a distorted, misrepresented time of the year. One that we will truly embrace and understand the full impact, the meaning, the power, and the beauty of this of this celebration of your birth. And Lord, may you not be something on the side of the table, at the end table, but may you be the centerpiece of the story of our Christmas. Lord, help us to understand the roles and the parts that we play in all of creation, even your angelic host plays in this story. But Lord, help us also to understand the demonic role that the angel of light will appear to be to distort you from being the center of the story. Lord, we bless you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
as we come to this and we think about what do the angels believe about Jesus, I think is so critical to let that be the acid test on which we filter our angelology in which we think about what angels think about whenever we pick up a book in Barnes & Noble or, or we hear somebody talking about an angel, we've got to drill down on this because there's a lot of distortion out there. We've got to drill down and we've got to ask this question. What does the angel you're espousing, what does the angel that you're talking about, writing about, you're, you're, you're conversing with, if you will, what does he, she, it do with Jesus? What does, 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 does your guardian angel point you to Jesus? The angel in your head talk about Jesus, exalt Jesus, point you to Jesus? Because when you look at the angels of Scripture, the angels of God, they're always pointing people to Jesus. It is not a minor issue. It is a major issue. It is the issue of every angel of God. So here's three beliefs that angels have that every angel of, of, of true light, not of a false light, uh, should have. One is that Jesus originates with God. That's what the angel said. That's what the angel said. That, hey, listen, Joseph, don't go and divorce her. Don't, don't, don't give up on your wife. Don't, don't throw in the towel on her. Look at verse 20 with me there. He said in verse 20, the angel, but as, the, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, but take Mary as your wife. Now down in verse uh, 22, And all these who took place uh, to feel that the Lord has spoken by the prophet, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. There was no question in the angel's mind who Jesus was. No hesitation. And they said, listen, Jesus, uh, listen, Joseph, don't throw in the towel on Mary. Yes, she's pregnant. Yes, it, you'll have some explaining to do. Yes, there'll be a lot, of, uh, a lot of accusations thrown your way. And yes, you will be an embarrassment to your family. All of those things are going around in his mind, I'm sure, at this time. And the, or, and the fact that, uh, that Mary has cheated on him and broken the betrothal period and the commitment that he had made to her, that all that's playing into his mind right now. And he is ready to throw in the towel on his cheating fiance and this angel steps into the scene and says no don't this this child that is in her is not because of some sexual relationship on the side this is because the holy spirit of god has put the seed of god into the womb of the woman and she is bearing in her body the very god of all gods coming to this earth and this is huge. This is, if you will, this is the first in vitro fertilization. This is the first test tube baby. I mean, this is it. This is happening. Now, we realize that it was a, a several thousand years later, July 1978, when a little girl named Lucy Brown was born in England, 5 pounds, 12 ounces, when she was the very first test tube baby. Now that, according to man and science, was the very first time. But according to God and all of heaven, no, it wasn't. There was a little baby born when God put the seed of God, of the divine, inside the womb of the human and put that seed inside her. And a baby was born on that day. 
See, this is a very key component to the entire message of of Christ. It's not just that Mary was a virgin. It was the importance and the play in that that if if man genetically we know that man passes on genes to the woman and and all of a sudden the the baby comes out looking, acting, whether it's innate or or it's nature or nurture or whatever it is. We have that whole debate going on. But the reality is, is that that is a part of the birthing process. And Joseph couldn't be a part of that process. There needed to be the divine seed. And because the divine seed was there and Holy Spirit put the seed there, then we have a perfect, sinless Son of God coming to live on earth. See, the reality is is that I struggle with sin and you struggle with sin. And guess what? All three of my children struggle with sin. I just passed it down. And you know what? Their children are going to struggle with sin and your children are going to struggle with sin. It's just a natural part of the process. We pass on. We are sinners by nature and choice. See, here's a life principle for you. Is that I am not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. The realization is, is that it's not because I do bad things that makes me a bad person. I'm just a bad person. you, You and I, we struggle with because we just have this innate nature inside of us that's just a part of us that we just naturally do that we don't have to teach our children to lie they just grow up liars we don't have to teach our children to be selfish they just grow up hitting their brothers and sisters over the head with the plastic toys that's why they're plastic toys all right we we, the children just do that that's just natural for them you know what it was so important that mary be conceived by god and the holy spirit pushed putting his seed inside of her womb, that it was so important to preserve the very, the very absolute sinlessness of the Savior. In fact, if you look throughout Scriptures, you find uh, in David's life, in Psalm 51, verse 5, he said, But I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, He's recognizing the fact that he was born into this world as a sinner. Romans 5.12 says, Just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death is spread to all men because all have sinned. So sit here today in this room today, and let's all just raise our, 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 our hands and just realize, Hey, God, I'm a sinner. And if we can't come to that realization today, then we are we're living in... Well, we're living in the delusion of the angel of light who's telling us, no, you're just a good person and you just mess up every now and then. No, the reality is, is that I, I mess up because I'm messed up. I mess up because I'm messed up. And I have to have something perfect to kind of enter into the equation or otherwise generation after generation after generation after generation, it will go on forever and ever. Amen. We cannot move away from the absolute necessity that Jesus was born of a virgin, never touched by man. John MacArthur said it like this in his great Christmas book, God With Us. He said, no other fact in the Christmas story is more important than the virgin birth. The virgin birth must have happened exactly the way Scripture says. Otherwise, Christmas has no point at all. If Jesus is simply an illegitimate child of Mary's infidelity, or even if he is the child of Joseph's nature, uh, uh, natural material, uh, me, marital union with Mary, he's not God. If he is not God, his claims, 
He, his claims are lies. And if his claims are lies, his salvation is a hoax. And if his salvation is a hoax, we are all doomed. So we come to this season and we celebrate the birth of our Savior, but we celebrate him because he originated with God. He originated with God. It was not some creation of man and then Jesus becomes some guru of our day, just a good example to us all. I heard the story of, of a family in this little cul-de-sac. and The families had, had come and they, they, they moved into this new subdivision and they, they, they lived there together and they raised their kids together. And, and the kids kind of grew up and they, they began to get a little smarter where parents were hiding their Christmas gifts. And so they began to explore the houses and, and, and tell each other days before Christmas ever came along what one person was getting for Christmas. And they, they developed quite accuracy with what they were getting. And the parents caught wind of this, uh, this, this ability to spy and to find. And all of a sudden, the next Christmas comes along. And the parents began trading Christmas gifts around from house to house. And so this person who thought they were getting a, 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 an Xbox 360 was no longer getting an Xbox 360 because Johnny down the street opens up an Xbox 360 because then on Christmas Eve night, the parents would then take all the gifts and they would get them back to the rightful owners of those gifts. And so the children began to wonder who's going to get what and what. And it messed everything up. Well, listen, let me just tell you this. You don't have to wonder what you get with Jesus. He's not a good example. He's God. That's the present that we unwrap this Christmas day, this Christmas season, that we come to celebrate this Christmas year, is that we get God in the flesh. Here's the second message of the angels. That every angel, test them, that every angel in this world must espouse. Number one, number two, is that Jesus' purpose is from God. His purpose is from God. He was not here on His own. True angels point people to the salvation that Jesus offers. Verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus will do. That's the role that Jesus will play. Now, again, there's a lot of confusion out there because some of these angels of our day, the angels of light of our day, they don't mind you bowing and paying homage and praying to and talking to them rather than talking to Jesus. Again, that's one of the deceptive ways of Satan. Talking to some other angel is not anywhere in Scripture a biblical prayer, okay? Anywhere. In fact, there's one time when John is uh, seeing the, the revelation un- unfold before his eyes and he sees the marriage supper of the Lamb and, and he actually sees an angel and John, the apostle, falls down to worship the angel. And the angel steps in front of him and says, no, 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 you can't do this, don't do this. This is the passage, Revelation 19.10. Then I fell down at his feet and worshipped him and he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus worship God. See, a true angel of God will not want you worshiping them, will want you worshiping Jesus. Also, when you look at Another encounter in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
think we need to understand the purpose of an angel is to point you to the good news. It's exactly what the angels were doing to point you to the good news. Now, what is the good news? The good news is Jesus Christ. The purpose of Jesus is to be the good news. Again, verse 21. You shall bear a son. No ultrasound needed. I'll tell you what you're going to have. No surprises. And you shall call his name Jesus. No need to go buy one of those fancy books with those 10,000 names in it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you he's a boy. And I'll tell you his name is going to be Jesus. And you don't even have to send him to college and wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to make something of himself for the rest of his life? I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to come to this earth. And you're going to have a son. His name is going to be Jesus. And what he's going to do is he's going to save the people from their sins. Everything laid out before Mary right there. His name, his gender, and his purpose for life. Jesus knew his purpose. He lived his purpose. His purpose originated from God. He said in in John chapter 4, verse 37, he says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus lived his purpose. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus had a very clear purpose and He lived it out emphatically and clearly. He was the good news. The role of the angels are to give the good news. I woke up last night just thinking through this message and I came to this statement because as you deal with people throughout your day, throughout your life, And in this postmodern world where everything's relative, and there there are many ways to God, there are many paths to God, you'll find people who will say in the midst of Hinduism, that's a path to God. In the midst of Islam, that's a path to God. In In the midst of Christianity, that's a path to God. In the midst of Judaism, that's a path to God. In the midst of my own skepticism, that's a pathway to God. There's so many pathways to God. And I kind of rested on this this single statement, I think this statement will will ring throughout this series and it will be a part of every message, is that there are many roads, there are many paths to Jesus. But there's only one path to God. God the Father, there's only one path to Him. And that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be the singular path to God the Father to salvation. And if what if the angels don't what are the angels of this world doing? We got to figure that out. The angels of this world, the angels of light, there are a lot of distortions out there, but they ought to be pointing you to Jesus. Former Beatle George Harrison said this before his death: "Everything else in life can wait, but the search for God cannot wait." Now I don't know if George Harrison found that search, discovered who God was before His passing. I don't care how popular you are and how many different views you have of of God, but I just want to say, if you're here today and you're just a good spiritual person who believes in Jesus and believes in angels and believes in all the spiritual world, that's fine and good. But more than anything else in your life, you better find that path to God. And I want to say today emphatically that Jesus is the pathway to God the Father. He is the mediator. Because, number three, this is the third thing the angels say about Him. 
Why, do I, why can I say it like that? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Now, again, this may be Sunday School 101 for this congregation today. I understand that. But please, as you talk and interact with people, realize not everybody believes that. But the angels clearly, emphatically declare this out to us. Look at verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, yours, your text may be offset a little bit. It's not in line with all the other texts. It's almost like it's a poem or something. Well, what it is, is it's a reference back to a statement that is made back in the book of Isaiah chapter 7. It's a reference to something that was prophesied three to 400 years prior to this. Is that Jesus would be born, and that when Jesus is born, He will be Emmanuel. Hold it, I thought we were going to call him Jesus. What's this now, Emmanuel? What's this whole bait and switch? The bait and switch is that Emmanuel means God with us. Timothy Jones puts it like this. Angels too easily provide a temptation. For those who want a fix of spirituality without bothering with God himself. Some prefer shuffling the deck of angel oracle cards over reading the Bible and listening to sermons. What is it about angels that so draw people in that they'll turn to tarot cards or, or, or communication with angels of the past or, or spirits of the... What is that? It's a substitution. It's a fix. It's a spiritual fix. When what we need to drill down on is I don't want a fix. I want the real thing. I want Jesus Jesus who is God, God with us. That is the the, the message of Christmas. Christmas, we celebrate God with us. At Easter, we celebrate God for us. And at Pentecost, we celebrate God in us. That is the message and the working of the Spirit of God inside of us. What will this Christmas be for you? It's early enough to keep Jesus center stage. What will it be for your friends around you? It's early enough, hopefully, that you can speak words of truth and hope and real life into them. But listen, let's not, let's not settle for a fix. Let's not have a seasonal fix of spirituality. Let's live with God in us. Let's live with God for us. Let's live with God with us. Let's live this story out. I'm afraid so many Christmases begin so strong and so fresh and so... It, encouraging, if you will. The gifts, the trees, the decorations brings back so many memories. And I heard a poem, and I had to copy it down. Just talking about the day after Christmas. What does the day after Christmas look like at your place? Twas the day after Christmas when all through the place there were arguments and depression. Even mom had a long face. The stockings hung empty and the house was a mess. The new clothes didn't fit and dad was under stress. The family was irritable and the children, no one could please. Because the instructions for the swing set were written in Chinese. The bells no longer jingle, no caroler came around. The sink was stacked with dishes and the tree was turning brown. The stores were full of people returning things that fizzled and failed. And the shoppers were discouraged because everything they had bought 
was now half price on sale. Twas the day after Christmas. The spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope on the horizon was 12 bowl games the first day of the new year. You know, I, I would hope that when we come to the Christmas story in your home and in your life, that it is full of a clear and emphatic declaration that goes well beyond the bowl games, the added weight, the unfit clothes and the broken toys. I would hope that you would hear the voice of the angels declaring that this person, this child that has been born, he originates from God. He is on purpose and on mission with God. In fact, he is God. Let's stand and let's sing a declaration as if the angels were singing it today.